Hey there, this is another episode that's supported in part by an arts and culture grant from the city of Fort Myers. Okay, here's the show. One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that uses music's power to connect us to our memories as a way to get people talking about themselves in a way they probably wouldn't otherwise. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Brandon Robertson. Brandon's the instructor of jazz studies and director of the Florida Gulf Coast University Basketball Band. He got his Bachelor of Arts in Music Performance and a Master of Music in Jazz Performance from Florida State University. He's an Emmy-nominated music director, a notable upright electric bassist who can be seen playing in downtown Fort Myers as part of the Dan Miller Lou Delgado Quartet on Thursdays at the Barrel Room. He's also a composer. He's originally from Tampa. Brandon was nominated for an Emmy Award for Best Documentary for Educational Collegiate Programs featuring the FGCU Jazz Ensemble. He recently released his first album, Based on a True Story, through Canadian label Slam and Media Believe Distributions. It reached number 16 on the iTunes Top 200 Jazz Releases. We met him through Gulf Coast Live and we're pretty pleased by his title, Professor of Jazz Studies. I mean, really, does it get any cooler than that? Let's get on to those song stories. Hey there, Brandon. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really good. It's, I'm glad to have you in the studio. We've wanted to get you in here for a while, so I'm glad we finally worked it out. Yeah, we made it happen, so I'm excited. Uh, what was the musical background of your childhood? Um, so my background uh, is pretty eclectic. Um, I have a strong gospel background. My mom was a gospel singer, so... We listen to a lot of gospel music, Kurt Franklin, Fred Hammond, uh, BB and CC Winans. We listen to a lot of that, Yolanda, Ale- Yolanda Adams. And uh, also, aside from that, uh, Motown was big influence as well. Okay. Where was that? Uh, in terms of? Yeah, like geographically, where were you growing up? Oh, oh. so uh, originally from Tampa. Um, grew up, born and raised in Tampa. Uh, my mom, however, is from Georgia, from Vienna, Georgia. So her roots and her musical background is like really deeply rooted in the South. So that's why I was mentioning those folks earlier. Um, and then Motown was always played throughout our house. Stevie Wonder, Temptations, um, Diana Ross, um, Smokey Robinson, uh, I mean, just all the, the the great Motown classics. Like my grandparents played that all the time. What about the contemporary music of the time? Was that creeping into your world, or were you living mostly through your parents and grandparents' music? Uh, so for me, I got, I guess, I guess growing up um, during my time period, it was r- hip hop. Like that was really what I was into mm-hmm. growing up. So I listened to a lot of rap, uh, particularly I listened to a lot of Tupac. I listened to. Biggie Smalls. I listened to Wu Tang. Was that cool uh, with your family? Oh, they my, my, they didn't really know I listened to because you know when you're in when you're in elementary middle school, you know you're exposed to different music from your friends and your peers. So yeah. a lot of that stuff I got exposed to other people, and I just didn't, kept kept it in kept the headphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was uh, uh, it was hip hop, gospel, uh, R and B. We had a lot of R and B play. It was, it was a variation of different music. My my grandparents were huge Peter Frampton like. Huh. Fan, so I we had a lot of that playing in, in our house. Sly and the Family Stone, um, were records being spun, or was it uh, CDs? Or records, records, records. Yeah, and particularly, you know, my mom, my mom had an A track in her car. So I tell my students about that, and they just laugh. They're like, "What is that?" And I'm like, 
it's a bigger version of a cassette player. <laughs> just, and it's got layers. layers. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, musical memory early. Like if you try to go back to your childhood young, is there something that crystallized that you that pops into your head? Um, I'm trying to think of a particular time period or a song that might come to mind. You know, you know what song does come to mind. Um, uh, what's that? Do you remember the time we fell in love? Michael Jackson. Okay. That particular. <laughs> only reason why is because I remember my uh, my uncle was a huge Eddie Murphy ah. fan, and and I remember being at his house one night, and we were watching Boomerang, the movie. Yeah, yeah. And that was the song. That song particular song was in the movie, and I remember my uncle's like, "Nephew, do you know who that is?" And I was like, uh, "No." And he's like, "MJ." The greatest of all time. And I was like, okay. And I never knew Michael Jackson until maybe I got a little older, like six or seven. I was like, oh, MJ stands MJ, for Michael. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but that's that particular song does stick out because I remember he loved that movie and he would always ask me about that every time I watched that movie. You know, um, as somebody who makes music, you know, one of your goals is to get people to be moved by your music. Sure. Can you remember a time when you were young that music moved you? And maybe not even really young, maybe in high school or something like that. You know, my earliest form of introduction to music in that sense was through Mr. Rogers. Oh, okay. You know, watching his show. And, you know, I remember particularly there was an episode when Wynton came on to the, Wynton Marsalis came on the show and he was talking to Mr. Rogers about the different instruments and all that. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he, I remember him having an upright bass on there. He had a trumpet, the piano player, you know, so he was going through, he was explaining through the different instrumentations and they would play and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, so I, I remember vividly that you would have guests from time to time, like musicians come on this show. So, Had you been playing any music at that point? Had you been exposed to um, music being played at that point? Yeah, uh, I, I had started out, you know, taking piano lessons when I was younger. Uh, I kind of fell off because I, I was just getting really bored and just like, which I regret that. <laughs> but it's not too late. I'm, yeah, it's not too late. <laughs> but, you know, then it was like my mom was like, you need to stick with it because it's going to benefit you later. Yeah, and you you're know. like, sure it is, yeah. Mom. So, you know, I, I, had that, I had that kind of form of, of playing um, on and off. But really it wasn't until fifth grade is when I, you know, when I got introduced to the bass. That's when I actually took music seriously and started playing. So in fifth grade you were introduced to uh, like a five-string bass or like a stand-up bass? So, oh, so yeah, so yeah, um, I had you... actually, I had, let me back up some. I started playing piano when I was like five, and I started playing electric bass when I was seven in church. So I had already been playing bass, okay. but not upright bass. I was playing electric. So I had already got, and I was through through church, so I had already had that background. Uh, but in fifth grade, my music teacher wanted to start an after-school program, and at the time, uh, a lady named Karen Bishop, she was getting her master's degree at UC, uh, USF, excuse me, and she wanted to do an experiment program on inner city youth who don't have the resources to accomplish, you know, in music classes. So like instruments, music, sheet music, sure. things of that nature. So she came and started this after school program with my music teacher. And at the time, it was only six of us. And I was the tallest kid in the class. So that's <laughs> how Your I... Your height is why yeah. you play the stand-up bass. No, that is legit the reason. It's not, there's no miraculous, like, oh, I was destined. It wasn't even that. It, I would not even hype it up like that. It was literally, you're the tallest one in here. I'm going to put you on bass. And when, when she put me on the bass, and when I held it, and I held the bow, she looked at me, and she said, have you done this before? And I was like, no. And she's like, 
you look like you're like you've done this before. I'm like, Mm-mm. and then she showed me how to play a G major scale, and I played it perfect the first like first wow. time back to her. That right there, she knew. She's like, okay, you actually could possibly do this, and that's where the rest is history. Was any of the music that you learned through the piano? applicable to the bass or did enough of it even stick to it no it was it was like suzuki stuff it was was real basic like fundamental stuff i mean it's it in terms of theory yes but in terms of like the technical side of it no it was you know there are two different instruments (laughs) so so were you what kind of music were you playing in that little fifth grade oh just little like lullabies you know mary mary had a little land you were playing jazz no no (laughs) i was i was learning i was just learning how to play scales and just how to play the bass because yeah. I was you know I'm 10 so my hands aren't that big <laughs> you know yeah. I'm still in, do they make like a junior size stand up bass they do now but back then back then you were playing did, the real deal I was deal. playing the real deal so. man you climb up on top of that thing yeah so it's it's funny when I tell people I started that young they're like well what bass did you play on I was like I played on a, on a quarter size three quarter size bass and they're like that that's pretty big for a kid that's 10 I'm like yeah but I made it work. <laughs> what about like middle school and high school? Then did you were you in? The, was there a middle school band that you were in? Was yeah, there high so, school and all that? So actually, from then, so what happened? This is what um, made me continue. My fifth grade year, we had this. So every county in Florida has what's called like an all county orchestra, mm-hmm. all county band, things of that nature. So uh, since I'm from Tampa, that would be Hillsborough County, right? And uh, at the time, there were no African American students. That had got accepted. It wasn't. It wow. wasn't. It wasn't by a racial thing. It wasn't that at all. It's just that most kids from the urban areas in Tampa didn't have the resources to yeah. even do that kind of stuff. So yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It, it, that wasn't the case. So with me, with my teacher, she had me audition, and then I got in, and I got first chair. Wow. So not only was I the first African American kid from Hillsborough County to get into the All County Orchestra, but then I was the first to get. Principal. What year was that? Like this sixth is ni- grade? 1995, 96. And what grade, what grade level were you uh, then? Fifth and sixth. Fifth I, was, and I, was, I was a fifth so grader. So you were all-county middle school band as a sixth grader, basically. Well, this is a this is elementary. So oh, okay. It was, so they had so a- back then, sixth grade was still... It was still elementary. Okay, understood. And understood. Then, they, then I think right when I went to sixth grade, that's when they changed it, and they added it into the middle school. But when I was in elementary, sixth grade was still part of elementary. Okay. So... I was the youngest person in my section, and I was, you know, the only colored in the section. Yeah, so yeah. Um, after that, that that kind of attention, it brought really good uh, notoriety for me. And my mom was like, Brandon, maybe you should continue to do it. And I enjoyed, I just enjoyed attention. <laughs> you know, yeah, I enjoyed yeah, being, yeah. hey, that's the bass kid, you know. And so in middle school, I played in orchestra and band. Um, I played tuba in band, so I didn't. Huh. You know, I didn't play bass. But when I got to high school, you picked up a tuba right now. Could you play it? Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I have not. I have not touched the tuba since my senior year in high school. Okay, okay. So no, I'm good. Um, but my freshman year in high school, my band teacher he he heard about me, you know, through the orchestra, and he said, "Hey, I need a bass player in jazz band." I said, "Man, I've never mm. played. I've never played jazz before." He's like, "All right, here's what I want you to do." Go home and listen to this album, which was kind of blue by Miles Davis. Uh-huh. And I listened to it. He said, if you want to play jazz, you need to sound like Paul Chambers. So go and listen to Paul Chambers. Learn exactly what he's doing. And I literally, for three months straight, I was in a practice room every day after school, and I learned the entire record. So I went back and played it for him. And he's like, you actually learned the record? <laughs> I said, yes. And I actually am digging the jazz stuff a little more than I'm doing the classical stuff. But then I got to college in it. I had to do both. Yeah. So that helped. 
Um, uh, did that feel like homework for you, or did, was that no. feel like so that no, that, that was maybe that me. was when you realized? Yeah, yeah, it was fun for me because I even with classical, like classical, made me um, cocky. That's and I had to, and I say that very humbly because I was just very assertive with what I can do. And then when I played the jazz, that exposed my playing because I was like, whoa, I actually cannot play bass. There's a whole other world world of of how to play bass. And so when I got to college, I was so thankful that Melanie Punter and Rodney Jordan, they were both my bass teachers at FSU, both of them instilled the importance of knowing how to play bass. Not necessarily jazz bass or classical bass, bass. If you can play bass, you will work for the rest of your life, which is why that's so much true because now I can I play in all different kind of bands and I, I play bass so yeah, yeah. you know so okay well let's get to your first song yeah uh, do you want to tell a story about it first do you uh, which, wanna, which one are we going to uh, do I've got Prototype oh, yeah. first okay yeah so Prototype by uh, Andre 3000 so my freshman year in college which was 2004 um I was a scared 18-year-old kid, had never left Tampa, and I'm in Tallahassee. My mom dropped me off in front of my dorm and left. Wow. I'm she not didn't even, even come I'm, in? Nope. I'm not even making this up. <laughs> and when she hears this, she's going to laugh because she knows that's true. She literally took all my it stuff. made you who you are yep. today. She took all my stuff out of the car. She said, baby, welcome to life. Got back in the car drove back to Tampa. And I was in front of my dorm. At the time, though, the album uh, Speaker Box and uh, Love Below had just came out by Outkast. And that was, at the time that year, Outkast had split. They were not They were still a group, but they had split to go do solo uh, careers. So I was like, oh, man, this is a big deal. This is one of my favorite rap groups, and they're splitting up. Yeah. So I'm curious what they're going to sound like as, as individuals. So Andre 3000, at the time, I knew he could play multiple instruments. He could play bass, piano, guitar, and I just really loved him as a rapper. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And... I'm in my dorm room laying on my bed, freshman year. If I remember the first day, I, I packed all my stuff. I, put, I hooked up my speakers, and I put in the CD, and that was the first song that came on. Wow. And I just laid down, and it just I just remember that moment being, you know, my first day in college. <laughs> like, I'm in my room. And I'm, I'm listening to it. And I played that song for three months straight. Like, that song in particular? That song in particular. Because it just, it always calmed me down when I got stressed my first my first year in college. You know, like any freshman, you're trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure out life. You wear my classes. Oh, I got to register for classes. Oh, I actually have to go to class, you know. I got to do homework. I got, you know, all this stuff. And I would just come home at night and just play that song. And just, that got me through my whole first semester. You know, mm-hmm. and my my sweet mate would knock bang on the wall. I'm like, turn that song off or change the song, Brandon. <laughs> Go to the next. Play track. something else. Oh my gosh, play something else. So yeah, this is a uh, and, and the song itself. Uh, my friend Kevin Smith uh, is playing bass on it. You know, and I went to FSU with him. Oh, he, he wasn't had, was he your friend at the time? Or yeah, yeah, he later? was a student at FSU. He oh, was, wow, he's from Atlanta, so he he just went back home one weekend, and just so happened Andre put out a call to musicians in Atlanta, and he went and got he got the gig. So he played on two of, two of the two of the songs on his album Prototype and Spread. Uh, he's playing. My friend Kevin's playing bass on them. So. That was also another reason why I wanted to. All right, let's listen to it. It's Prototype by Andre 3000. What was the album again? Uh, uh, Speaker Box, Love Below. Let me hear that the first when I first. You back in that dorm room? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just remembering my mom <laughs> dropping off my stuff. And then me walking up to my door, uh, to my, my room 
and then my roommate was on the bed and he's like, Hey, I'm, he's like, he's like, uh, Oh man, I'm trying to remember what he said. <laughs> he didn't tell me his name first. He's like, he's like, Oh, Oh, that's what it was. He's like, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't know, uh, we had roommates. I thought this was by my own room. Cause he was like, <laughs> he would already taken up all yeah, the space. <laughs> I, 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 I can't, I can't describe what he was doing, but like he was, he was just like laid out and I was like, Whoa! He's like, oh, I, I thought this was my room by myself, but yeah, that's that song, man. That that song is a really cool. It's a really cool song, and I, actually, I learned it on bass. That's how much I loved it. I was like, I'm gonna just learn this on bass. So yeah, hmm, great too. Did the lyrics have anything to do with it? I mean, talking um, about love and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, was there something? Was there a yeah. subtext there for you too? Yeah, yeah, you know, because because it was a long time ago, so. Uh, you know, at the time there was a there was a girl in my dorm that I, I did have a crush on and I <laughs> I remember I remember asking her to come watch a movie with me and I was playing that song and I remember her telling me, she's like, I would not step foot in this room until you turn that song off. Cause you're always playing this song. Why do you <laughs> like this song? And she's like, Are you so trying everyone to everyone knew? Yeah, everyone. Because I would blast I had big speakers in my room yeah, and yeah. I would just blast it. And I mean my RA would be like, Brandon, can you please I don't mind you playing this song. Can you please turn it down at least? Like you don't have to the whole floor doesn't need to hear that you like this song. We know you like the song, Brandon. <laughs> was, yeah, but the girl, she she thought it was about her and I was like, No, it's not about you. She's like, Well, why are you always playing it? I was like, because I just like the song. It's it's not particularly about you. Particularly. Had, had you ever locked onto a song like that before? Or do you think it's something about your being away at college and everything that it was like it, your sort of musical talisman or something? Well, well the guitar, the, the aura of the guitar riff at the very beginning, that do-do-do, like that is real soothing. So like when I heard that, it just took me like to a place. Like I imagine me being like on a field, like a very like grassy field and it's sunny, it's breezy. And I'm just hearing like these colors from the guitar, you know, and, you know, he's like, I hope that you're the one. If not, you are the prototype. It's like that's that's deep, man. That's, you know, it make you think like at that time I'm 18 and I'm still trying to figure out myself. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I I, I, I think, you know, because I, I wasn't in love with that girl, but, you know, I really liked her. So I would always play that and try to hype myself like. Okay, yeah, I'm smooth. I'm smooth, and then I would just bomb <laughs> every time. But yeah, she she really was convinced that song was about her. I was like, this is not about you. I just really like this song. <laughs> That's funny. Um, how'd you wind up at FSU? Is that uh... so? Um, my sophomore year, I attended the the double bass camp, uh, the classical double bass camp. That's when I met Miss Punter, and I really liked her teaching style. I really liked what she presented. And she, you know, within that two weeks I was there, when I came back, I was a much different player. And then my junior year, my band teacher had told me that FSU has a jazz camp. And I was I had already I was already three years in the jazz band at high school. So I was like, oh, sure, I'll go. And I went. And that's when I met Rodney. And I was like, whoa, OK. I didn't know that I could play bass like this. Because I, I had only approached jazz from written notation. Like, I didn't know you could improvise. No one, oh, had, never, no really? one had never exposed that to me. So I'm, I, and, and Rodney was like, well, you learned all these transcriptions because I played it for him. He's like, man, you know all these transcriptions? Like, I know it, but I don't know it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I just, my teacher just told me to learn it. I didn't know what I was learning. So um, he asked me to audition in my senior year. 
and then I got I ended up getting a full ride. So uh, so that's what that happened. That didn't hurt. No, <laughs> I was sad because uh, I got the same offer to FAMU, and FAMU was the, was my number one choice at first because my teacher went there, and I had already met uh, Mr. Sargent, Lindsay Sargent, who's the the band director there, and I had a real close tie with with FAMU. I had family members that went to FAMU, so. Uh, it was only right and natural that I would go there, but then FSU says, cha-ching, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. changed everything. So, so you had been there for band camp. Uh, had you stayed in the dorms while you were there? In other words, like when you were there, when your mom dropped you off, was it somewhat familiar territory? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was, But the only difference was that she came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first time she came back, the second time it was like permanent. <laughs> right. So. Hmm. Um, uh, improvisation. When did that? So that's about where that started for yeah, you. And, was and, that a hard transition at all? Some oh, people very. seems like it's it's no. impossible. Some people, I don't know if it's easy for anybody. No, it was. Uh, I didn't start improvising until I got to college. Like when I actually was majoring in in jazz, and um, I just I, I remember us having our first combo auditions. And it was 120 students in the room. Wow. And all the jazz professors like, are in the back, you know, on this panel, on this long table. And they would just call students up. You go up, and you would play the audition piece as a group, and they'd, you know, assess you. And I remember getting up there, and I froze because I didn't, I had never, like, not played jazz without reading it. So yeah. none of my professors knew that. Even when I went to audition, because I, I played what I memorized. Yeah. They didn't know I didn't know that. So when I got there and they're like, Brandon, play. I don't know what to play. What do you mean you don't know what to play? I've never walked a baseline before. What do you mean you never walked a baseline? I've never walked a baseline, let alone where to start the solo. <laughs> so my teacher was like, you fooled us. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't fool you. You never asked. So there's the difference. Hmm. So, yeah, so that was, it was a, my whole, fr- my first semester was like the hardest because I had to like get acclimated because everybody else had already knew how to do it. So it's not, it's because it's, I know my daughter played band in middle school mm-hmm. and, and they had a couple of the advanced kids that were doing some improvisation. Mm-hmm. So that is something that's being taught. You just somehow managed to not have to be exposed to it until you yeah. got to college. And, and what was crazy was when I went to the jazz mm-hmm. camp, you know, we, we went through that stuff, but it was two weeks. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not like I was getting it throughout the school year. And then my band teacher, he he taught us theory. So theory wise, I was very I was already caught up. Like I was I was up with everyone else. Right. The technical side of playing that I wasn't. So that's the part that he didn't realize. I didn't he didn't know. He's like, well, you can play it. But I didn't realize that you didn't know what you're you don't know what you're playing. You know, it's kind of yeah. like yeah. And misinformed information, you know. And, and so once he taught me what it was that I was playing, Oh, then it started to sound like he's like, oh, okay, now you're starting to sound. Do you like remember a, that moment when oh, all yeah. of a sudden it, it was my, fell into place for you? Because if you had all the theory and stuff, it was probably it probably came on pretty fast once yeah, it got there. It was probably around my sophomore, the end of my sophomore year. That's when it was like, all right, now I'm getting it. Now I just got to keep shedding on getting better and more endurance and. Um, flexibility across the base. Hmm. So where does music fit into your life these days besides playing it in front of people or teaching it to younger people? Um, to be honest, you know, I listen to the complete opposite when I'm home. Yeah. Like, I don't listen to jazz. And it's crazy because people are like, well, you're really, you know a lot about jazz. You're really into it. I am. But also, I don't let, I don't want to be consumed with just that. Right. You know, let that only be the only thing I listen to, which is why uh, I teach music appreciation right now. And 
my students in that class are very receiving to this stuff that I expose them to because they're just like, you You listen to a lot this of This is not music. jazz appreciation. Yeah. This is music, music appreciation. Music appreciation. Yeah, so yeah. they were just surprised with knowing my jazz background, how much other music that I actually know. And they're just like, I would have never pictured you to listen to this. So what's kind of, what's, like, what are you listening to now? Like, throw okay. out a couple names. Yeah, so right now um, I've been really listening to uh, Benny Banak, uh, the third. He's a trumpeter from New York. I really love his album because he kind of has like this Frank Sinatra vibe. Hmm. And Christian McBride's playing on his record too, and that's one of my favorite bass players. So, um, also I've been listening to Kalani. Uh, she's a she's a uh, an R and B singer. Um, my one of my former FSU FAMU brethrens, uh, Ray Nelson. Is the it was her was her drummer when she was on tour or whatnot? So I got exp- I've been listening to a lot of her album. Um, trying to think, what else have I been listening to? Anything in the pop pop music world that you listen to, like the stuff that's super popular that people like me don't listen to it. <laughs> uh, I know I, I I I like I like Cardi B. I, I like some of her stuff. Uh, I like uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there is there is another. Uh, I got the song. I got the song stuck in my head, but I don't know who the artist is. And that's, another, that's the thing about pop artists is that I'll hear a song that's catchy and then I won't, <laughs> I won't know who sings it. So I have to like sing it out loud or like Shazam it or something to figure it out. But uh, yeah, I, I, lately, lately it's really just been more jazz stuff like that I've been checking out. Jameson Ross, I like his album. I've been listening to a lot of his record. You playing CDs? You playing Spotify? What, what, CDs. Like what's, the, what's the methodology? Um, I okay. So I I do listen to a lot of records, uh, Motown records, you know, and I have a you lot have a nice of sound TV. system and everything. Yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad got these nice Pioneer uh, systems that he got from Japan when he was in the in the Air Force. That can, they're like they're like Japanese pioneers yeah. that they don't they don't exist no more. Right, like I you can't I, even Google them. <laughs> they don't, they don't they don't exist. Like I I told my dad I was like, yeah I'm gonna hold on to these for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know and it, and it has a nice little record player. So I'll play. Um, like the other day I was playing um, so, um, so, uh, songs in the key of life. I was mm-hmm. I was playing that record or vinyl and. My wow, daughter, cool. my daughter loves that record. You yeah. know, she's like, "Daddy, I love this. I love Weeby." She can't say his name yet. <laughs> you call him Weeby <laughs> instead of Stevie. Um, but yeah, uh, I listen to CDs, Spotify, yeah. iTunes. You know, I kind of go through all the different channels. So you still uh, buying music that has like physical form, like you buying oh, albums? Oh yeah, and I, I still buy CDs and and vinyls. Uh, not so much cassettes because I don't even think that they exist. <laughs> not eight tracks either. Yeah, not eight tracks either. <laughs> nah, but uh, but yeah, the, my my. I go to nowadays probably for convenience is you know through the digital platforms because it's, it's easy for me to get to. How old's your daughter? She's three. Okay, so she's not ready to play the musical instrument yet, or what do you she's, think? She's she she's <clears throat> dabbling on piano. We're gonna get her. To, I'm gonna start getting her to dabble on piano a little bit. She loves to sing. She loves to sing. She's always singing. So I think that's gonna be her her deal. Do you remember the first music you owned as a kid that was yours? Yep, I remember "Ready to Die." By Notorious B.I.G. That was the first CD I bought. Or, I'm sorry, not CD, cassette. Because at the time, cassettes were big. Um, this was in 94 or 93 was when I bought that. And I remember going to the mall with my grandmother. We walked into Sam Goody. Uh-huh. And um, walked in, the, and they had the singles. Singles were big back in the 90s. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So you like can get 99 a, cents nice, or buck yeah, 49 or something you know? like that. And uh, I went in there and bought, bought, bought the cassette. 
the, the of the album and my grandmother's like what is this i said don't worry about it grandma this is just a guy that raps and she's like does he curse a lot i see a parental advisory sticker and i didn't know what that was i'm, just, I'm like <laughs> it just says that i need permission from you to buy i don't know and so uh i got it and i was blasting that thing man rapping it and all that so yeah I, that was i was so happy because i bought it with my money because i yeah I, I had my allowance from when i was cutting grass and went and bought my first cassette um how long have you been playing with the guys down at the barrel room uh, three and a half years now. How'd that come about? Uh, so actually, my first when I first moved here, the week I moved to Southwest Florida, um, Steve and Denise, the owners of the Barrel Room and the Twisted Vine Bistro, uh, contacted Dan and said, "Hey, we want to start a Thursday night uh, jazz night. Would you be interested?" And so Dan's like, "Sure." He says, "Matter of fact, I got a young bass player that's moving down here, so that'll be perfect. We can just go ahead and get that group." So he got. Tony on drums and then me and Lou. And so we've been there every Thursday since 2016. How'd you meet Dan? Um, I met Dan through my professor, Scotty Barnhart. Um, at the time, I was playing in the in the Basie Orchestra. And so I was in my last semester in grad school. And my wife had moved down here because she got a job with Habitat for Humanities. So um, Scotty put me in touch with Dan. And during my spring break, I came down, met Dan, actually played a gig with him. And um, from there, he was like, oh, you're solid. We're, w- when you get down here, we're going to start working. And literally, <laughs> the week I moved here, I started playing at the Bell Room. Now, Dan, it's Dan Miller, mm-hmm. and he's played with Dan has people. Played, yeah, Dan. So Dan spent 11 years in the Harry Connick Jr.'s big, uh, big band. He played with uh, uh, the Lincoln Center with Wynton Marsalis. Um, he was in Maynard Ferguson's band. Um, and he even spent some time with Tom Jones, and I love I love when he tells that story at our gig, because <laughs> he always like you know if you close your eyes and you can imagine what it's like being in a band with Tom Jones, multiply that by a factor of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, and I always make him tell that story because people people get a kick out of it. They're just like, yeah, because Tom Jones is the man. <laughs> had you played with anybody who had had his kind of career at that point in time, or was he kind of the next echelon up? No, uh, well, I had, I was playing in the in the Count Basie Orchestra, so that's probably the highest that, yeah, I, did, yeah, yeah. that I went so to. So that's the, the Count Basie Orchestra. The, yeah, yeah, okay, I yeah, thought yeah. maybe that was something through no, the college that was no. like, you do Count Basie Orchestra-style no, stuff. this was the real— So explain that yeah, a little bit. So when I was in graduate school, um, Scotty Barnhart, who's the director of the Basie Band, um, he had me studying a lot of Count Basie music. I was doing a, 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 a independent study with him— uh, and during that semester, he was making me learn all the Basie music, and I ended up learning it all. So he was like, well, Brandon, you can play it. <laughs> Why don't you come play in the band? Hmm. And I was like, okay. So from time to time, whenever uh, Trevor Ware, who's their current bass player, he was, and he still is, uh, when if he couldn't do it, I would step in. And this is uh, a, a continuation of the Count Basie band from all these years? Is that? Yeah. They, yeah. It's just they're the longest. Changed. They're the longest running jazz jazz ensemble in America. Wow. 80, I think they celebrated now 83 years. I was going to say, that's why I did. assumed it wasn't. Yeah. It, yeah. It's 83 years. Wow. Yeah. And Scotty's very good at rotating the young guys. He keeps young uh, members in the band for the sake of preservation of the music, you sure. know, and um, David Klein, who I believe is probably the eldest uh, member of the Basie band and actually was in the band when Basie was running it. Wow. So um, I had that experience, you know, when I uh-huh. got to play with those guys, I got to meet 
a few of the players who actually played with Count Basie and just just talking, just getting all the history. I don't need to go through a history book. I can talk directly to the guy wow. who knew him. You know, and Carmen, Carmen Bradford, uh, the vocalist uh, of the Basie band. I, I play with her more more regularly than I do with the Count Basie band now. Um, I haven't played with them probably in over three years now um, since I moved here. But Carmen and I still work together. I'm actually performing with her at the Jazz Education Network Conference in New Orleans in January. Hmm. So, are, are there any other places around town that you play that people uh, could find you, or is it mostly Barrel Room um, here in I, town? I, from time to time, play at Slate's uh, Jazz Club over in Cape Coral. Uh, I'll, I'll actually be there on October 26th. I'll be playing there um, with the trio. And then from time to time, I'll play at JD's, up in, uh, JD's Bistro up in Port Charlotte. Okay. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's a lot of private stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the barrel room is the regular, regular deal. All right, it's time for song number two. Yeah, I've got you down as the uh, the mighty mighty Boston. Yes. What's that all about? All right. So, first off, they're probably one of the most killing ska bands ever. Like, I love this group. So, when I was in middle school, I was like a huge MTV like fan. Like, I was I was a nerd when it came to watching MTV. Like, I knew who all the pop artists was. I knew everything about them. I would go get the magazines and read up on them. And I was just addicted to TRL. Like, TRL was, like, my <laughs> my newscaster of music, of the music entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, of, of music in- industry. And so, um, at the time, I wasn't really into, like, rock music. That, that wasn't my thing. And demographically, where I grew up at, nobody played rock music. It was right. primarily, like, rap. So, I wasn't exposed to that. And just so happened that day, I remember it was a Saturday. I was sitting at home, watching TV, watching the uh, just the box where they're going through all the different music videos. And they went through Limp Biscuit, they went through Hootie and the Blowfish, we went through Green Day, we went through Dave Matthews Band. I know all these people. I I've, I grew up listening to all these guys. And then they got to the Mighty Mighty Boston Boston's, and they played the impression that I get. I was like, wow, this is different. <laughs> and then uh, the drummer, that's what that's what intrigued me was the drum. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I can't even do the beat the beat that he does. But it's a usually on music, everything is kind of felt on two and four. Well, this song, they do it on one and three, and the drummer's emphasizing the one and one and three. So it sounds as though that the song, the beat got flipped when really it's not. It's just how he's em- emphasizing those beats. So it has this. So it's like going against the beat. And it's like, I was like, man, this is, it made me, oh, okay, I like this. And then, yeah, and then uh, the song itself, you know, just the lyrics, you know, it's basically saying like, yeah, I would hate to be the person that actually is going through something right now. And that's kind of like, you know, never had to knock on wood, but I know someone who has, and that certainly isn't good. You know, that's that's like, I, I, I can totally relate to that, you know, because at the time in middle school, I was that kid that just was like, yeah, I don't want to jinx myself getting beat up today. <laughs> oh, I don't want to jinx myself yeah. missing my homework, you know. It's just, so... That song was just a. Uh, it's just I. I just remember that was my introduction to alternative rock and like ska ska music. Like I had never got exposed to that ever until I heard that band. Right then, that right there was that moment. I was like, all right, I'm gonna start checking out some more stuff. 
you know, and, and so yeah, that's it's a great song. It's a fun song too. Well, let's listen to it. Uh, yeah. This is the impressions that the impressions that I get by the Mighty Mighty Boston's from their 1997 album. Let's face it. Cause I'm sure it isn't good. You know that song was everywhere. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't listened to it before the show. It, but as soon as it started playing, I'm like, I know the lyrics. Because <laughs> that, that song was just everywhere, yeah. you know, in the world at that point in time. Yeah. And, and during the mid-90s, you saw this emergence of, like, the 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 bands, like, or what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, I guess alternative bands. Like, they were really big back then, you know, in the mid-90s. And then you started seeing the shift from those kind of bands to, like, the all-gender bands, you know, all-girl groups, all-guy groups. And so <clears throat> at that time, for me, it was a lot of music. Like, I love 90s music because that was the music I grew up. Like, that was during my childhood. So there was so much music getting pumped out, you know. And this particular song just, I mean, it literally stuck out, like, like a sore thumb, like, from all the other ones. Because all the other songs, I, to me at the time, they all sounded the same. Hmm. But that one just you can hear it in a drum pattern. Like you see you can hear the drummer like he flips the beat at the very beginning. Like he's playing it off and then you hear him switch and it's just like You might. Well <laughs> well I didn't well I at the time I didn't uh I didn't know. Right. You know, I didn't know that. I, I honestly I wouldn't have even been able to count that. I was, I just it just stuck out to me like yeah. something what just happened? <laughs> and then then he starts to sing and I'm like, Oh, okay. Now it's back to normal, but yeah. Um, do you do you listen to much Scott these days? Uh, not not so much anymore. Uh, it was just a period. I, you know, I think sometimes people go through periods in your life. Like certain music will be with you in certain seasons, and then you just kind of shift and go on from there. So that was my season with that, and it's. <laughs> but I still listen to that song. Like I still like that song. Like that. That's a great song. You ever try to play bass along to it? Uh, from actually, you know what? I've actually never no. I've never I've never tried to learn this song on bass. I I guess it was because it's it wasn't like my style. Like that wasn't the kind of style of music I was into. So I never thought just to learn it yeah, just because yeah. you know like if it was music that I was into, then I would try to learn it on bass. But if it was something I'm just casually just enjoying listening to, not so much. Do you ever play electric bass these days, or is it yeah, all stand up? Yeah. No, no, I play I play both. Do you play it with the quartet, or is it all stand up? Um. Sometimes I will play electric with, I guess, you know, it, it depends on what band I'm in. <laughs> right. Because if, if I'm doing more jazz stuff, then I'll do acoustic. But if it's like more pop, country, blues, hip-hop, funk, I'll switch to electric. Gotcha. So what's it like teaching college kids jazz? And real, <laughs> but was that always your trajectory? Were you? No. <laughs> Not even close, actually. Actually, um, my so what happened was to make a very, very, very long story <laughs> short. Um, my mother-in-law had passed away in 2015, so my wife had moved back down here because we ended up uh, getting guardianship over her little sister. So we had to just uproot our life in Tallahassee, move down here, and so when I got here, I had no, I'm sorry, before that, I was just performing, I was gigging, I was playing. I was in school, but I was, my career, like my professional job was playing with the bass, man. I was touring, I was, you know, I was making very good money just playing music. Mm -hmm. I was not working a nine to five. And so I had no 
plans on even going back to grad school. The only reason why I did was because my mother-in-law convinced me to go back. And she's like, listen, FSU is offering you a a full assistantship. You need to take it. And I was like, okay, maybe you're right, (laughs) in which she was. So, um, But what led me here, I knew that I couldn't just move here and not do anything like because I'm not from here. So I don't I don't know what the scene is like here. So so Dan was like, hey, you should go maybe see what they have at FGCU. And they didn't have anything. They didn't have no jazz, you know, at least really not like it had a jazz band. That's it. Like the combo didn't really exist. The the they, they have the methods class, which is which I still teach now. Um, but that was about it. So. You know, I kind of had to tell myself, like, all right, I've never – I taught at a college when I was in grad school at uh, Abraham Baldwin Agriculture College in Tifton, Georgia. I taught there when I was in school, but I was teaching the jazz band and private lessons. So I wasn't teaching. Like, I wasn't teaching classes. Mm-hmm. So that's different. So when I got here, I had to teach classes. Yeah, and that's like lesson plans yeah, and I've never, arc over semester yeah. work. And, and that was all brand – it wasn't brand new, but it was – I just – that wasn't my background. I hadn't done that. So a lot of the stuff my first year here was oh, learning on the job. It's like learning how to improvise. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I had to figure out like, okay, how this is how we do lesson plans. Oh, there's deadlines. There's PDPs. I ain't know nothing about that, you know. And it's So it was a lot of – new thing. So no, teaching was never, I never like my, both of my degrees are performance. I didn't go to school for ed. So, um, I didn't, that wasn't in my projector, you know? So when I got here and it happened, I just kind of had to go with it, you know, cause at the time it's like, okay, I need to support my family. And my family's moving to an area where I don't know anyone. Yeah. So I have to make it work, you know? So I was kind of, it's kind of forced into it, but then I mean, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's here. It's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, what direction is it, you know, are, is jazz something that more kids are wanting to study or less? Do you even have a sense of that since you've been doing it for a short period of time? Like, where does jazz fit into the world of music studies these days? And are you refer- are you referencing specifically here at FGC or just as a whole? Uh, a bit of both. Okay. Well, in terms of, as I'll start with the, the macro picture of it, in terms of as a whole, um, yes, there is a thriving like interest in jazz studies in throughout the collegiate setting, and there's more and more programs that are offering a jazz degree because more students are getting more interested in it. Um, now, uh, here at FGCU, it's a split, and this is, that's just my how I my opinion how I see it. There's students that are into it, and then there are students that are just trying to figure it out. You know, like they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't not like, like it, but they're not into it. Right. You know, but then I have, I have a a few core that are like, oh, we're, we're, we're in it. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to offer something different at, at Bauer through jazz, you know, and in terms of teaching the students how to be a self-efficient musician and knowing how to market brand yourself, knowing how to actually play your instrument so you can go out and play. Because I always tell the students, you graduate in four years, five years, however long it takes. Yeah. <laughs> you graduate from a music school, and you do not know how to play music. And they're going to say, well, no, I went and studied this at school. Yes, one thing. What's going to happen when you, if you don't get your teaching job yet and you're waiting for that job and you went to a music school for X amount of time and you can't play anything else outside of what you went to school for? Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna be a functioning musician. 
And I feel like education, you need to be a musician first, even outside of being an educator. Because if you can't do what you're teaching, the students aren't going to be receptive to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's my perception. Like, I, I play for my students. They come see me play at the bell room. They know, okay, Professor Robertson, what he's teaching us, he can do it. Yeah. So that's been my my philosophy on that. Hmm. Uh, FGCU basketball band, mm-hmm. what is it comprised of? I mean, I've never been to a, you know, I have to admit, I've never been to a basketball game. Oh, you got to come. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so the basketball band is uh, comprised of all students from across the universe, uh, universe, <laughs> university, <laughs> across, across the university. Um, I would actually say over half the entire ensemble is non-music majors. Okay. So these are students who were involved with some kind of um, cool. ensemble in music in high school, but then, you know, they, they want to go off and do different things, but they still want to be participating in some kind of form of music. So uh, the basketball band is open to all the students across the university, and, you know, we play a variety of different musics, top 40 stuff, jazz, country, to, uh, contemporary music. So, hmm. yeah, it's fun. It's a fun game. It's not at all what I envisioned in my head. Oh, you have to come here as we, we, we get down. <laughs> and do you guys play, like, a jazz version of um, the fight song? Oh. That would be that would sound so terrible. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> that would sound terrible, especially with because you got kids there that don't know how to swing eighth notes, man. So it's like it'll be dot dot da da. I was like, oh no, this will be so bad. Um, uh, are you a singer? You've done some singing here in the studio thus far. Are you uh, a singer in general? Uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. I, 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 okay. I was in a singing group with my with my little brother. When my mom, I told you, my mom's a gospel singer, so she used to make us sing. We were called Brotherly Love, and she would make us sing at these church programs. And I just, I just always get so mad because she would wake me up at six in the morning on Sunday. And be like, you got to practice. You got to get your voice warmed up. And I say, Mom, no. So I was so happy when thirteen came because my voice changed. Huh. So I was like, look, I ain't singing no more. My voice is deeper. <laughs> so, Don't they need baritones? Yeah, I was like, I was like hey, I'm not doing it no more. So, Got any TV theme songs committed to memory you'd care to share with us right now? Oh. Uh, we'll Stan- sing along Stan- if you know the words. Sanford and Son. Yeah, that's the that's the jam right that was there. Kim's. The Jeffersons, yeah. you know the uh, yeah. Uh, what's happening? You know, my my mom actually. So funny story, real quick. My mom used to manage rerun. Really? Yeah, she was his manager for two years. He was part of a circus. Um, the there's there's an all black circus. Uh, Pierre, uh, forget his last name, but he's a he's a French. Um, ring a uh, ringleader or what's the ringmaster ringmaster, and he has this traveling European all black circus and rerun was part of the act. Huh. So when they came to the states, particularly they came to Florida, uh, my mom was friends. My mom was him and my mom had mutual had a mutual friend, so that's how they got in touch. And I didn't know who rerun was. I was I think I was like seven. I was like yeah. seven or eight years old when he came, and I have a picture with him. In my house, I have a picture with him and his. He was wearing his rerun suspenders. outfit with the suspenders, <laughs> with the with the beret. And yeah, and he, you know, he was a really nice cat, man. Really, huh. really nice cat. And did the. Oh, oh. ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he did the uh, he did the whole rerun dance. The, the, the you I know, can see it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's funny. That's, that's funny. That's funny. You looked at, he looked at yeah. his phone like, oh my god, my uh, yeah. phone's ringing the yeah, that's good times like, theme song. Like, What's going on? <laughs> but that's not as fun as the Jefferson's one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, here you go. Let's hear it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that's the only singing y'all gonna hear. Okay, don't you've already sung a lot so far <laughs> this hour. Um, okay, it is time to move on to your third song. Sure. What is it? Why is it? Oh, uh, I feel good by James Brown. Now this one is a funny story. Now you probably saw that, and I put it in caption. Why would you pick this song? So <laughs> my mom entered me into this local talent show when I was in eighth grade, and. My friends at the time when I was in middle school were in band and, you know, we were we were kids that's trying to, like, learn all the cool stuff. And I was really, really into James Brown. I still am. And I used to try to mimic all his moves, his dance. I, Ow! You know, I tried to do all that stuff. <laughs> and so my mom was like, oh, you should sing I Feel Good in the talent show. I was like, oh, that would be great. You know, and I had it all. We rehearsed it. We had the band and everything. Wow. I was singing. I had the wig. What grade? With the eighth grade. Okay. And I had the wig with the James Brown outfit. I had. I looked fly. It was on point. Then the day of, everything crashed. <laughs> so I think my, yeah, I remember my trumpet player got sick. Our drummer, like, forgot his music. Got his music. Bass player is like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, they just, the band disbanded the day of. So my mom was freaking out. And she's like, well, baby, look, uh... I have a copy of the song, and you can just lip sync it. And you'll just have the horns in the song be your background. So I got up there in my James Brown outfit, and oh, I feel good. I'm lip syncing it, and the people are just staring at me. No one is giving me <laughs> You're no not emotion. A reaction. Nothing. They and it was a full room, and they're just staring at me. And then, you know, I'm like, I feel so good, and I'm doing all the cues, and I'm like, hit it, man, da, 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 da. you know. And they just after <laughs> no claps, no claps, nothing. It was dead silent. My mom. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no, and I walked off stage. Did you get a reputation for that? Oh, they all I, in my I, in my middle school. Everybody heard about it on Monday. I mean, they were like, "Hey, man, you know, you should probably not be an entertainer. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not your forte." And it was, yeah, it was embarrassing. I, I, that's the reason why I picked that song because every we the basketball band plays it. And I, they always ask me, why do you laugh so hard when we play this song? Like, you're always laughing when we play Because I think about that, that story. That, that I, that's always going to stick with me every time I hear that song. Did you have, like, apprehension in you when you were on stage? Or were you kind of oblivious until after the fact? Oh, I was totally not even oblivious. I, it, it just, I, was, just, I was just so into that performance because I was just like— I mean, I, I worked on this. I'm like, man, I'm a, I'm, I can see it. I'm going to go all out. And then <laughs> they just, nothing, just stared at me. <laughs> I was like, come on, people. Well, shall we listen to it? We shall. I have the uh, album version and I have a live version. Do you have a preference? Uh, it, uh, maybe, I don't, you know, you know, let's, 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 let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it original. You got it. This is uh, I Feel Good by James Brown. Hey! I can see it. Yes, yes. That's 
<laughs> okay, here's another funny part about that story I told earlier. Uh, the very ending when they go bop 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 bop. And I did this slide across the floor, and I <laughs> fell face first. Like you know, like you try to do the knee, the knee slide. Yeah. Now it would have worked that I had knee pads under yes. my pants because I could have just went smooth sail. But no, that thing went smooth sail to the floor, face first. <laughs> bah! And then, but then here's the funny part, right? This is, I left the funny part out because you're like, oh, you hit your face. No, because it went da 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 slide face plant. Bah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't suppose there's video of yeah. this performance somewhere, uh, th- is there? There is. You'll there never is. See, yep, you'll never see it. It 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 it's it's it is in a trunk. And it still is accessible? It is accessible. Huh. And you will never see it. No one will never see that on the light of day ever, 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 ever. I, I think YouTube might need that. Nah. nah see, <laughs> see, see students see students are tricky. See, they'll say, Hey, professor, I got something to hang over your head. You know that video yeah. from that eighth grade performance? You know, if you ever get big and, you know, like, no. You nah. just, no, you release it first and then you get ahead of it. Ah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, you're right. Yeah, there you, you go. Well, at, least, at least you had comedic timing. It's, it's, uh, oh, man, that was, that was the most, that I have to say that was the most embarrassing performance I had ever experienced. Ever. As, as a musician. Ever. That, that. How about as a human being? No, no, I've had some more I've had some worse embarrassing moments as a human being, but just as a musician, that would that one holds the crown. Um your album. Yes. Based on a true story. That's B A S S apostrophe D for yes. the people who are listening. Um it just it's just come out, right? Yep. It was How's released that, uh September thirteenth. How's that feel to have that out into the world? <sighs> a relief. Yeah. It, it, and it's a it, it's kinda surreal because this was a five year process. You know, for this record, I started writing or I've already written the music, but I have finished writing all the songs once I had moved here. But my engineer, Adam Klein, um, he and I went to grad school together and we had started talking about this like January of 2014. We were just he was like, man, when are you going to put out a record, man? You've done all this stuff so far. And it's like, yeah, but, eh, you know, I don't want to go deal with the hassles of me being a leader and all that. I didn't want to deal with that at the time. But as time went on and I got more mature and I was writing more, I realized I was like, okay, I got a body of work I need to put out. So it was that time. Like last summer was when I was like, okay, I, I have to do this and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to sacrifice not going out. I'm going to sacrifice not spending money on CDs and <laughs> buying music equipment and save up and do this record and it and it came true i said i was gonna put it out next year i said it and i and it happened where'd the title come from so um i every song is there's there's eight original compositions on the, on the album and every song is a representation of an event that occurred in my life starting from college from 2004 up until now so for example fat friday is a track on my album that that's the that that was the very first song I ever wrote, wrote ever like when I first became a, a musician transitioning out of Tampa into college that was the first song I wrote mm. and I wrote it in New Orleans uh, five months before Katrina hit so I was there I got to see the city in its purest form before mm. the storm came and did what it did and that was my it was the first time I actually also left Florida. So I had never left. Wow. I had never left Florida up until that point. So that was a culture shock when I got there. And I was like, 
It's a lot of people here. Yeah. It is a lot of different kind of people here. And the food smells great. Yeah. And there's music everywhere. There was band on every corner. Energy level completely different. Yeah. yeah. But then I had the song Lullaby for Noel, which is, a, which is a song I wrote for my daughter. And the melody, my daughter actually sung that to me. So hmm. the introduction on the album, we do an interlude where she's I'm asking her about her uh, lullaby, and, you know, she does a little talking at the beginning, and then I start to play. She's like, Daddy, I want to hear my lullaby, and then I start playing the song. Mm. So, you know, it's and I wrote that song for her because she uh, was in a room one—I was in her room one night, and she just starts humming, like, like notes, and she was one. She, she was, like, maybe one, just turned one, and I was just a mess. Like, how is she doing that? Because it was like— <laughs> She was whistling. At one years old, and huh. I, I could not. Me and my wife sat there. We're like, I do not know how she's doing this, but I took, I recorded her what she was whistling, and then I wrote the song off of that. That's so, awesome. so she got writer's credit on the album for that because I, I wanted her to know, like, you actually wrote this song. I just, wow, I just cleaned it up for you. <laughs> um, do I remember correctly that that there was a hurricane that got in the way of this album for a little bit? Yeah, Irma. What what was the story on that? Yeah. So what happened was we. Uh, I was I was record I, I had recorded some of the songs for the album and then we lost it because the storm came through. So like when the power knocked it all out, I lost a lot of the, the wow. data. So it was gone. And so you had was, to start over. I had to start over, which was which was great because it was all like the music. I, the music was already written, but the recordings I had to do over, and that was great because I was able to actually do it here and then get it. Like the way I want it, right? To sound so forced you to start over. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And and now that the album is out, it's doing very well. Um, it went number sixteen on the iTunes top two hundred charts. Um, it reached forty six on the on the Billboard chart, like on wow. the two on the the top two hundred for Billboard. It reached number forty six. So you know, I was I was even I was super shocked by that. You know, and I've been doing. Radio interviews. I've been doing um, like magazine interviews, so I'm currently trying to get a tour set up for next year, and hopefully can do some jazz festivals. So the album is doing really great. Do you play any of those songs down at Barrel Room? Um, we actually started to. We started to play Fat Friday, uh, Majestic Nights, which is uh, a the people's favorite. That's from what my label told me. They're like that song in particular. Everybody really likes that song, um, which. Um, we play that from time to time at the bell room. So, you got a fourth song that almost made it to the list? Um, for this one? Yeah, for today. Was there something that you when you came down to 3, was there like maybe this one, maybe this one? Now nah, we'll go uh, with this one. you know, there was there was a song and I I don't know who sings it. I I I it's and I don't even know. It's crazy. The song has been stuck in my head for the last 15 years and I don't know who the artist is or I've never heard that song again. Like I, I heard it on the radio. I was, I remember, I was in my room. It was, I think I was about twelve, and I was in my room, and the song came on the radio, and I just remember it was I just remember that. That's all I can remember. I just remember that. That, and I remember the guy singing it, and he sounded like Craig. Da- uh, yeah, I think his name is Craig David, the singer, the UK singer. He sounded like him, and I thought that was him, but it wasn't because I, I like looked up all his music and you I were like, trying to sing it into Shazam or something. I did, yeah, and it doesn't work. <laughs> I, I looked, up, I looked up all his catalog and I like played every single song because I was like, it might, it might catch, but I've never heard it again since. And it's yeah. been that's the one song that I was going to put on the list 
because I remember I remember the day I heard it, and I remember every day since I've tried to figure out who sings that song, and I've yet to f- come across. So hopefully before I die, we, I don't know. <laughs> we had a, a guest recently pick um, um, uh, from Herb Albert, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. The I forget what the whipped cream song. I don't know. Anyway, we started playing it, and Richard was like. I've been trying to find that song my entire life. It oh, was wow. the same thing. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's that song yeah. I heard once, and it stuck with me. Yeah, yeah I, I have one of those right now, and it's just it's like, ah, it'll happen. <laughs> um, okay, we're pretty much out of time. Um, uh, do you have three people that you can recommend this podcast to who you think would make a good guest on it? Um, actually, yeah. So do, do I need to name them? Uh, or do I preferably? Do I? Oh, <laughs> uh, so one person I think would be of interest. I think I'd be curious to hear is Dan Miller. You think we can get him? I I I think you put I'd a good to, word in for us. I have to you know do some talking and figure okay, that out. Okay. Uh, the second person I would like to hear is Dr. Bernanke, uh, our new dean at the Bower School of Music. Okay, that sounds. I would be cool. very curious because you know he's. He's our director of our music school, so and he has a very eclectic background uh, in terms of music. He's a, he's an opera singer, um, you know. He has a strong chor- choral background, and so I'd be cur- I'd be curious as his as his colleague. I'd just be curious to see what my director of our music school listens to. Okay, and then uh, the third person. Um, I would recommend is uh, Doctor uh, Blakely. He's for the, the multicultural uh, office here at uh, FGCU, and because I, I I walked in his office and his office looks very uh, super diverse. So <laughs> I just be like, hmm, wonder if this diversity rolls over into his musical catalog. So hmm, okay, well yeah. share this one, uh, episode with them when it comes out. Sure. Put a good word in with us. Yeah. Uh, for, with Dan. Um, last question: Are there any songs that you'll avoid listening to for some reason? Not that I can think of top of my head. I guess I guess um there is one there there's one song that is unsettling when I listen to. Like it's hard to listen to it because of the because I know the meaning behind it, but Strange Fruit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like and I read and I actually read the poem, the 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 um, I forget the poet guy's name and I read that poem what it's about, you know, what the lynching and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, listening to Nina Simone's version of that song is hard to listen to. Billie Holiday's version, it's more it's it's more settling to listen to because of the time period when she recorded it. It made sense, but when Nina Simone did it and the way she sung it, it was just, it's it's hard to listen to. It's like man, you really captured yeah. like the. I can visually picture that, you know, like it's just the way she, her voice captured that the lyrics to that poem. You know, it's, it's deep. So. Yeah. Mm. All right. We are uh, out of time. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Um, based on the true stories in, available now, <laughs> download the album, purchase the album, help support it. Um, please support the live jazz here in Southwest Florida. Come out to the Bell Room on Thursdays uh, from 7 to 10. You can listen to some world-class musicians. And uh, yeah, go Eagles. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We make this podcast in the studios of WGCU Public Radio in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is the co-creator and host. Richard Jinkley is the co-creator, producer, and host. And Tara Calligan is online content producer and periodic host. Our executive producer is Chris Duffus. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. 
For our parting tune this week, I'm going back to my college days, but also to the pilot episode of this show. Having a professor of jazz on brought me right back to that first time I really listened to a jazz song and realized that my musical exposure was incredibly limited at the time. It was a big revelation for me and drove me to listen to and to try to play new things. That expanded from music to food to arts and lots of other arenas of my life. All thanks to the theme song to one of my all-time favorite anime, Cowboy Bebop. This is Tank by The Seatbelts. See you later, Space Cowboys, and keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Probably in 1980, they were still separate. No, I'm going to the Star Trek convention. I'm going to the Star Wars convention. And then I remember the year in San Francisco that they combined them. It was a big deal. And so you had somebody walking around and, uh, you know, like Chewie and somebody else with Spock ears. It was kind of fun. <laughs>